Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Amen. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Steve, for leading us so well. Uh, How many of you know that you can lose your sight without ever going blind? You know what I'm talking about? That you can lose your sight without being physically blind. If you don't know what I'm talking about, maybe this will will help. You know kind of that, that, that pile of clutter that's around your house that you just ignore? It's there. You just don't see it anymore. Are you with me? This is how it works in my house. Kristen will put our boys' uh, things at the top of the steps. And, you know, the idea is that, you know, when they get to the top of the steps, they'll pick it up and they'll take it to their rooms. But how many of you know, they'll walk over it for weeks. They're not blind, but they've lost their sight. Are you with me? This can happen in the office, too. Right, you get that, that one hallway or that one closet that everybody ignores and nobody wants to take responsibility for. You know, you haven't lost your sight, but you can be blind to it. This happens in relationships, by the way. I know we're done with the whole relationship series, but this can happen in relationships. You can become blind to some things, to some, some tensions or some habits that have been formed, some things that, that aren't the way they should be in a, in a relationship. You become blind to it because you live in it all the time. You're around it all the time. It's just, it's just kind of, you're always, eventually you go blind to it. But this can also happen in your relationship with God. Did you know that? That you can easily become blind to the goodness and the greatness of God in your life and you can easily settle for something less than what he has for your future and for your life. We can all get locked in this this routine and in this this rhythm. It's just kind of doing the, the same old, same old. Just kind of going through the, the motions and we don't get fired up about anything anymore. We lose our passion for the things of God. There used to be a day where you would walk into church perhaps and you couldn't wait to worship. And you, you wanted to get to the front row and you wanted to, to lean in and get a word from God. You wanted to, uh, where are all my people at that grew up you know, this way? You wanted to get close to the spout where the glory came out. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That's old school preaching right there. Uh, don't, you know, don't be fooled, you know, by my lack of melanin. I got some old school preaching inside me. But there used to be a day where you wanted to get close, but then you start to fall away. You become blind to some things. In fact, you used to hear, hear stories like the one I just read, and something would get ignited inside of you. And I pray that something got ignited inside of you when I read that. But what happens is we can easily go blind to some things. And we can walk into a church and we can walk into a place where the movement of God is incredible and people's lives are being transformed and and people are hearing about the gospel and there's growth happening and there's expansion happening. And what used to amaze us can can get to that place where it doesn't even phase us anymore. It's like I used to, you know, want to come in and sing and worship, but now we can walk in and be like, they didn't even sing the song that I like today. Or I thought I was going to hear some more spin doctors today. If you were here last week, that will never happen again. But we can become blind to some things without ever losing our sight. And it often will take some crisis moment in your life, unfortunately. Some tragedy, some shaking for your eyes to be opened once again. 
It, it, it's going to take that, that relative or that family member calling you and saying, hey, I'm coming over this weekend. And now all of a sudden you see the clutter everywhere. Are you with me? Am I telling the truth? They're like, I'm going to be there in an hour. And you're like, well, there's dust on the fan. You know, there's laundry that I have to do. Like you can see it. It takes corporate calling you and saying, we're coming to the branch. And you start to notice the lights that are out. Or you start to notice that clutter you know, that everyone's been ignoring in the hallway. Right? It takes a, a spouse you know, saying, hey, you know, I'm through with this relationship. For you to start to notice. You know, it takes a tragedy for you to say, okay, there are some things in my life that I need fixed. There are some things in my, my marriage. There is some issues that I have to work out. There is a, I need to go to counseling. I need to put some, some work into this. And all of a sudden, our eyes are open. And my prayer today is that we would encounter Jesus in such a fresh way that your spiritual blindness would be healed. That if you have spiritual blindness today, that it would be healed in Jesus' name. And we would once again recapture the heart of God in our life. And I want to do it through a story found in John chapter 4, if you have your Bibles. This is what happened to the disciples. They've gone blind to some stuff. And so Jesus calls them on it. In verse 27, it says this. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find Jesus talking with a woman. But no one asked him or had the backbone to ask him, what do you want with her or why are you talking with her? Now what's happening here in John chapter 4 is that Jesus is having an encounter with a Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. Now I know what some of you are already thinking, whoa, 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 whoa wait a second. Like, I think the Lyme disease is kicking in because Kobe talked about this last week. And I don't know if I should be the one to tell him, but somebody should tell him that he's lost his mind. I have lost my mind, but not about this. And how many of you know the, uh, the, the beautiful thing about God's word is how rich it is, the depth of it. You could read something. We could spend a year talking about this, and different things would come out of it in different seasons of your life. It's just the way that God's word works. And so last week I did talk about this woman from a different perspective. But today, I want to talk about it from a completely different vantage point. Because what it says is that the Bible told us Jesus had to go through Samaria. And we talked about that, that he had a divine mission that he had to go on. But technically speaking, he didn't have to go through Samaria. In fact, the Jews and the, the Samaritans so didn't like each other that they would avoid one another. And the Jewish people would take a longer route around Samaria just so they did not have to go through Samaria, but Jesus had to, the Bible says, because he had to have this encounter with this woman because his passion was for people. And by the way, his passion is still for people. It's always for people. And so he comes into this conversation with this woman at the well. I'll recap a little bit. And she thinks, you know, why are you talking to me? And, and then he says, asks her for some water. Can you draw me some water? She's like, you don't have a bucket. He's like, I don't need a bucket. She's like, well, how are you going to get water? He's like, I have a different kind of water. It's living water. You know, it's this, it's this eternal water. What happened was this woman was looking for something um, to, to fulfill an eternal hole inside of her life with a temporary source. That's what she was looking to do. And Jesus says, I can give you some living water. But can I just say it's deeper than that? He not only said, you know, I, 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 can, I can give you some water from a well. What he told her was, I am the well. And if you come inside of me, and if you enter into, into me, like I will be a well for your life. You can drink from me. I'm the well. And then he tells her, go get, go get your husband. And she's like, I don't have one. He's like, you're right. 
you don't have one. You've had five, and the guy you're living with, he ain't no good either. And she's like, sir, I think you're a prophet. Ding, ding, ding. Smart lady, right? But then we see this. The Bible says in verse 28, look at it. She leaves her bucket and goes off to tell the town. Somebody say town. Not one person. An entire town. Not just a couple of people. Not her, her relatives, you know. An entire village, an entire town says, come and see a man in verse 29 who told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And I want to propose to us today that whenever you look through the New Testament, whenever someone has an encounter with Christ, their first and natural response is to go tell everyone that they know about this person who they've just had this amazing encounter with, about this man named Jesus. I would, I would propose if you look to the history of the church, whenever someone has this encounter with, with Jesus, right, their only appropriate response is to go tell everyone they know about the life change that has happened based on this encounter with Christ. But we don't do it sometimes because we go blind. We get blind to some things. It says just about the time that the disciples are coming back from town, she's leaving her water jar there, and she's going and telling the rest of the people about Jesus. And there's a whole message in there about how she left the thing that she thought she, she, she wanted because she found someone who gave her ultimately what she needed. And my prayer every single week is, by the way, that you might leave something that you thought you wanted or you came in here with one idea, with one expectation of what it is that you wanted, but you leave here with something that you actually needed. Maybe it's hope. Maybe it's peace. Maybe it's direction. Maybe it's something completely different than what you walked through these doors expecting to, to receive. But while she's heading back into town, the disciples are heading back from town and meeting Jesus because Jesus told them, hey, go into town and get something to eat. So they get back. They see him talking with this woman, and they're like, why is he talking with her? They said this among themselves. They didn't say it to Jesus. They didn't have the guts to say it to Jesus. Um, but they're like, why is he talking with her? Because at this point, men didn't talk to, to women. They didn't interact with women all that much. Especially rabbis with women, especially Jewish rabbis with Samaritan women. So there are layers upon layers upon layers of why this thing is scandalous in the first place. But we read that none of the disciples had the backbone to ask him. Like, not even Peter. And you know they probably tried to get Peter to ask him, right? Because Peter was always saying stuff. They're like, hey, Peter, you ask him. He's like, no, I already said stupid stuff today. I'm not going to do it today. That's just how he operated. But they walk up to Jesus. Look at verse 31. It says, hey, Jesus, eat something. Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus is like, I'm good. I don't, I don't want anything. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then they start asking each other again, well, did he already eat something? Did somebody else give him something to eat? They're like super confused about what's going on. I don't want us to miss this. Jesus just had this incredible ministry opportunity with this woman who was desperate who was searching for something to, to fill this emptiness in her life. Like, and they're asking, why are you talking to her? And did someone already feed you? How many of you know they were concerned about the wrong thing? They were concerned about the wrong thing. Let me ask you this, this question, and you don't have to write any notes today. 
Because I'm really not so focused on, on, on getting your head as much as I am about speaking to your heart through this. Let me ask you this. What's your concern? Like right now. What's your concern? What are you concerned with in this moment? The disciples were concerned about the wrong thing. They were concerned about the wrong stuff. They had their attention and their focus fixed on the, the wrong thing. A woman's life has been forever changed from the inside out. She's finally found what she's been looking for, right? And they're wondering, why are you talking to her? And did someone already give you some food? That's what they're wondering. So what's your concern? What are you concerned about? What is taking up the, the bandwidth of your, your mind? What is taking up your, your mental energy, your, your mental capacity? What is taking up your, your, your intellectual, you know, kind of thoughts? What, what did you wake up this morning thinking about, concerned with? Because I propose if we would just zoom out on our life. Do you remember when um, you, you had cameras that weren't attached to your cell phones? Anybody remember those days? It had this little toggle switch, this little zoom out button. I propose that if we would zoom out on our life, could it be that, that you're concerned about things that, that are taking up your focus and attention that you shouldn't be concerned about? That maybe we're, we're concerned about things that are taking up energy and time and causing us stress and causing us anxiety in our life, and it's not even worth our concern. We're co so concerned about the promotion, or we're so concerned about finances, or we're so concerned about this or, or that. And I'm not saying there aren't needs that you have in your life, and there aren't things that are worthy of your attention, but it was Jesus who said, you know, seek God's kingdom first. His kingdom first, and then all the other things will be added to you. In other words, if you will get concerned about what he's concerned about, then he'll give you what you're concerned about. Does that make sense? So what's your concern today? Like literally, what's taking up your, your time? What's the primary thing you're concerned about? Because I can tell you what the primary thing Jesus is concerned about is people. It's always been people. Like what are we concerned about as a church? You know, I was, I've gone to some churches where they're concerned about the dumbest stuff. Well, what color is the carpet going to be in the new fellowship hall? Well, first of all, you ain't joining the games, so you shouldn't care about what color is going to be. Second of all, we're never going to have a fellowship hall, all right, or whatever that is. Maybe people get caught up in being concerned about the, the dumbest things, or, or who's going to bring what dish to the potluck? Anybody remember potlucks? Come on. Potlucks are a gamble, are they not? You're like playing roulette with a potluck. Because you never know. You don't know who made that. You don't know if there was a cat crawling on the counter as they were making that thing. Like you're gambling, but you always did know who could cook, right? Because their dish was gone in like 30 seconds. It's gone. It's done. But you always also felt bad for the people who nobody took anything from their dish. Like, sorry. But thankfully, COVID has canceled potlucks. We're over with that. And at this church, just so you know, we're going to order food from a restaurant with an A rating by the FDA. So just don't sweat the potluck thing here. But people get so concerned with things that I don't even know if God's concerned about. The carpet, and the, the potluck, or promotion, or title, or, or this book deal, or can I get, get my platform for people to, to hear what I have to say? And Jesus is like, no. Like, I'm concerned about, about people, specifically lost people. 
This woman is desperate. She's been hurting. She's searching for something. I have to minister to her needs. I have to change her, her life from the, the inside out, not from the outside in. So what are you concerned about? What's your concern? Are you concerned about things that will not matter in eternity? Like if you were to write out the list of your concerns, how many of those will matter in eternity? When we started this church 10 years ago, with about 30, 35 people in Harding School Library at the bustling crossroads of 8th and Lincoln. You know where I'm talking about? Like, we've always said we're going to be concerned about what Jesus is concerned about, period. And that's people who are far from God. It's people. So what's your concern? And when your life is over and the story of your life has been written about you, what will it say about what you are concerned about. And I'm not saying that your life won't be full of blessings and full of abundance and all that. I'm extremely blessed. I've just found out that I'm most blessed when I'm concerned about what Jesus is concerned about. In fact, I've discovered that if I'll take care of what the, the Father is concerned about, then he'll take care of what I'm concerned about. Has anybody else figured that out in their life? The disciples asked him, he's like, has he eaten already? And Jesus says, I got food that you don't even know about. So they're confused. Did someone else feed him? Was he holding back on us? Did he have a granola bar in his pocket? Like, what were they doing, right? Why are they asking that? Because they're blind. And he says, I have food that you don't even know anything about. He was saying, I have this level of fulfillment that comes from something deeper than this, this physical source. You don't even know about it. And then verse 34, he says, my fulfillment, my food is to do the will of of the one who sent me, to do the will of the Father. He's like, guys, I'm getting fulfilled on such a different level. Like the stuff that you stress about, I'm not stressed about. The stuff that you worried about, I'm not worried about. He says, I'm here to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. So it begs the question, what's the will of the Father and what's the work that he has to finish, that he has to accomplish. Well, can I tell you what the mission statement of Jesus is? Look at Luke 19.10. He says, I've come to what? To seek and save that which is lost. Period. That's the will of the Father. I've come to make a way for people to, to have a relationship with God. That's what he's saying. He's saying that I have a cause, and the cause is worthy of my my life. So not only do I want to ask you what's your concern, I want to ask you this question too. What's your cause? What's your cause? And is it worthy of your life? And I pray that your cause is more than just living for the nine to five. I pray it's more than just wake up, punch in, punch out, you know, go home, binge watch something on Netflix, eat dinner, go to sleep, repeat. I pray that it's more than just going to the office and dealing with issues and headaches, you know, that, that cause you to lose your faith in God and people only to come back here on Sunday and have it restored. Come on, somebody, hopefully, in Jesus' name. I pray that it's more than that. I pray that your cause is more than just, you know, graduating high school and trying to figure out where I'm going to college. I pray that there's something else that you are, are living for. Jesus said, I'm here to seek and save that which is lost. That's my cause. You know what the word cause means? It means a, a commitment to or a, a willingness to defend or advocate for something. So what are you giving your life to defend and advocate for? 
What are you committed to? What's your, your cause? And I know there are a lot of great causes out there. I'm all, I'm all for causes. Run for this disease. Bike for that disease. You know, swim for this or walk for this, whatever it is. But can I tell you something? There is nothing more worthy of your time and devotion and allegiance than the cause of Christ. Because it is the only cause that will outlast you and live for eternity. There's no cause greater than that. Let me ask you this. What is it that you filter your life through? What, 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 what do you filter your decisions through? What's, what's the cause that you filter the direction of your life through? Do you ask, how will taking this job impact my cause and impact the cause of Christ? Or do you simply say, how will taking this new career you know, earn me another five to $10,000 a year? which will probably bump me into another tax bracket. And so I'll owe five more thousand than I did last year. And now gas is going to cost me three more thousand this year. Come on, somebody, than it did last year. So I'm at a, you know, at a plus $2,000. How will that impact my cause? How will going to this school advance the cause? How will going to that college advance the, the cause of Christ in my, my life? Because I would propose that we're all, we were all created and we exist to advance the cause of Christ, and to join in the rescue effort to seek and save that which was, was lost. And the vehicle, by the way, the strategy that God has used for that has always been the church. It's the people. It's you. There is no plan B, right? This is, this is it. Can I tell you something? It's, it's not going to be the, 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 the next election that we need to, to hope in. The hope of the world is the church. It's Christ through the church. It's not going to be another vaccination. It's not going to be a new legislation. It's always been the hope of the world is the church. That's it. And I'm all for, you know, making, you know, laws and, and giving to this cause. And, and, and let's push that and let's, 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 let's let the world be a better place. Great. Yes, let's do that. Let's actually, you know, go for laws that protect humanity and protect, you know, the family as defined by God's word. Not by what the world says, but by, by what God says. Not regulations, right, that just kind of line the pockets of big corporations or politicians. I shouldn't even talk about that. But let me remind every single one of us that no matter what you do, you will never be able to legislate morality. You can only hope to change it and impact it for a little bit. You can try to control it for a little bit through laws and legislation. Only Jesus can change a heart. And the only laws that last and the only laws that are worth anything are the laws that God has given us, that he's already written to us in his word, that Jesus came to fulfill, and that the Holy Spirit writes over your heart, changing you from the inside out. That's the only laws that last. So what's your cause? What's your concern? What's your, what's your cause? The hope of the world is the, the church. And guess who the church is? So no pressure. But we're the, we're the hope of the world. And I'm all about the church. I'm all about the, the global church, the capital C church. But can I tell you something? I am unashamedly in love with this church. This church. I love this church. I think, I think the, the people of this church are incredible. 
Those of you that, that serve, those of you that, that give, those of you that use your time and your energy and your resources. And I think that this is the most welcoming place in our city. Next in line would be Chick-fil-A. But I think people walk through these doors and feel not just welcome, and there's a sign that says welcome home, but actually feel wanted. Feel wanted here. Feel like they want to be a part of this. I, I believe this is a place where burdens are lifted, where miracles happen, where relationships are, are restored. And because of that, outreach into our city is happening based on what's happening here. Like, I believe in this church, this one. I'm fired up about it. So Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell won't prevail against it. So if you're going to be about the cause of Christ, right, who said, I've come to do the will of the Father and to finish his work, then we're going to be uh, concerned about and join with his cause, which means seeking and saving the lost at any cost. And listen, at the, the end of your life, uh, here's how it should go. It should go like this. Well, they were a great teacher, but... They use their platform as a teacher to advance the cause to seek and save the lost. They were a, a, an incredible doctor, but their doctor, you know, their, their doctor office was a cover because they were missionaries to their patients to seek and save the lost. Are you with me? They were a great stay-at-home mom or a great stay-at-home dad, but they, they were a blessing to their community and those around them, and they helped prepare their, their arrows to get launched out into the world to make a, a difference for the kingdom and for the cause of Christ to seek and save that which was lost. Right? They were great whatever. You fill in the blank, but your vocation is not your mission. Your vocation is what God uses to help pay the bills. Right? Your mission is to seek and save the lost. That's what he's called us to do. And he accomplishes it through the church. Because here's the deal. None of us can do individually what we can all do collectively. This church has never been built on the, the talents of a few, right? But on the sacrifices of many. Of everybody joining together for a, a, a unified cause of seeking and saving the lost. So at the end of your life, it's the only thing that's going to matter. It's going to be what did you do with and what did you do for Jesus. So two questions. What are you concerned about and what's your cause? What are you concerned about? What's your cause? Because here's what I know and here's what often happens is this. When we first encounter Jesus as our Savior, and we get fired up. Man, thank you, God. We're so grateful, God, that you would save us. We're so grateful that you wouldn't hold the penalty of my sin against me, that you would take that on your shoulders, right, that you would, you would carry my, my sin to the cross. We're so grateful that he's our Savior. But somewhere along the way, we start to turn him into our servant, where we're now like, serve me, take care of me. God, how are you going to fix this in my life? God, how are you going to, you know, complete that in, in my life? When we first meet him, we're fired up. God, you changed my life. When we first meet him, we, we get excited about, about stories of, of life change and seeing people's lives radically transformed by, by the gospel. I, I've seen people, you know, and, and I've, I've seen it, you know, time and time again. People get fired up, and they'll try to serve on five different teams here at the church. They will. They will. They'll, they'll try to, you know, they won't sit one and serve one. They'll sit, you know, one and serve two or sit none and serve three. That's not healthy, but I get it. 
I understand that you're fired up about it, then somewhere along the way, life change becomes common. And you're like, oh, eight more people gave their life to Jesus. And it becomes a golf clap. And he moves from Savior to, to vending machine. To serve me, feed me, take care of me, fix, fix this. And at one point, he was Savior. And you couldn't wait to daily surrender your life to him. And somewhere along the way, you've tried to turn him into servant. But can I just remind us today that just because that might be how you see him doesn't mean that's who he is? That he is still Savior? He's still King of Kings. He's still Lord of Lords, right? He's still the one who gave you grace and mercy every morning you take your head off of your pillow. And I need to remind somebody that the same grace that, that bought you, the same grace that got you in on the whole relationship with God in the first place is not something you needed when you were a sinner one, at one point, right? Newsflash, we're still sinners. And it's the same grace we need every single minute of every single day. For this life that we have in Christ. And Jesus said, I got food that you know nothing about. And I have a cause. Right? And that's to do the will of my Father. So what's your, your cause? What's your cause? And I want to be real honest. For some of us, our cause is ourselves. And we are really good at defending and advocating for ourselves. Which is why we become blind. How many of you know if you, you just focus on you, it's really hard to see beyond you? So what's your, what's your cause? And Jesus is talking to his disciples, and they're still not getting it. And I'll end with this in verse 35. Come on out, band, help me. He says this, guys, open your eyes. In fact, turn to your neighbor right now and tell them, open your eyes. Especially if they're sleeping. Hey. Open your eyes. He says, you're missing it. In fact, in the New Living Translation, it says, wake up and look. And I just want to tell our church today, hey, we got to wake up and look. I know it's real easy to kind of look inward and into our own lives and what's happening inside of us. But Jesus says, wake up and look. Open up your eyes. He says, the fields are ripe for harvest. The fields are ripe. What Jesus is saying, the need is never the issue. There's always need. There's need in this room. There's need. There's need on the other end of those cameras, the people watching at home. There's, there's need there. There's need beyond these walls. There's need outside these doors. There's, there, there are people that are hurting, that are broken. There are people that are trying to, to cope with things in their life through addictions and self-medicating. The issue is not that there's no need. There's always need. There's people who are trying to find hope and purpose in things that, that are not giving them hope and purpose and things that the world says will provide hope and purpose just leaves them empty and dissatisfied and wanting and exhausted because they thought the house would do it or they thought the new car would do it and they just discover none of that is fulfilling them and making them happy. There's plenty of people who need to know there is a well that never runs dry. And we'll give them all that they, they need and bring fulfillment. So Jesus says, look, the fields are ripe for the harvest. And I just, I got to think. And I, and I hope, and this might not be, be true. 
But it said the woman had gone into the town, told everybody that she could find, hey, come and see the guy who told me everything about me. Could this be the Messiah? And I got to imagine as Jesus is saying, hey, look, the fields are ripe for harvest, that he's pointing to the town and that he's pointing to the people that are starting to come out. And he's telling his disciples, look, there they are. There they are. Here comes the harvest. So open, open your eyes. The problem is not the need. The problem is blind Christians, right, who have who've become blind to the need, who, who walk by the need every single day. You know there's that cubicle you walk by at the office? The need is sitting right there in that cubicle. You know in homeroom class, when you walk into homeroom class, there's need all around you in homeroom class. Every single day there's, there's need in the grocery store, the person checking you out. At the grocery store, the person making your coffee, there's need there. There's need at the person that, that delivers your Amazon package. There's person that's that's in need right at the pump next to you at the gas station. Well, Colby, what do you want me to do? You just want me to strike up a conversation with a stranger at the pump? Yeah. Why not? I wouldn't know what to say. Well, listen, our economy has made it really easy to know what to say. Hey, man, look at this. Isn't this a crazy high cost of gas? You know what else has a high cost? Sin. Turn and burn, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding about that. But you can easily say, sorry. Look how broken our world is. But I'm so grateful I found an anchor of hope in the brokenness. Can I tell you about it? Maybe it just starts there. Maybe it just starts there. There's need everywhere that you you look. And I think the worst thing we can do is when we stop even caring anymore that we're blind. That we're spiritually blind. Our eyes have been shut to the need around us. Jesus told them, open your eyes. Open your eyes. That's what I want to say to us, church. Open, open your eyes. Do you really see things the way Jesus sees things? I believe if we saw humanity the way that Jesus sees humanity, then we would love humanity the way he loves humanity. I believe if we would see the need as he, as he sees it, then we would, we would do something about it. If you see broken humanity the way Jesus sees them, then broken people stop being a nuisance to you, and they start being a ministry opportunity to you. But I will say this, if you are a follower of Jesus and broken people bother you, it could be that you're blind. It could be today you're blind. And you just need your spiritual eyes to be, be opened. Open your, your eyes. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. Give me spiritual eyes to see. In fact, I pray that every single week. One of the things I pray before coming up here and, and, and going through God's word and is to say, God, I pray that you would give me spiritual eyes to see the needs and the hurts represented in this room. God, help me somehow to, to see the needs represented on those watching on the other side with that camera. God, give us eyes to see. Because here's what I see. I see a church where the lost are found because the gospel is paramount. Because it's all about the gospel. It's always been about the gospel. If you'd say, Colby, is it ever going to be about anything other than the gospel? No. Colby, are we ever going to, you know, you know, buy a bus and, and take the senior saints to trips to Lancaster and, and you know, hang out with the Amish? No. Never going to do that. Like, if you want to buy us a bus, 
go ahead, we will sell the bus, make a profit, and use the profit towards reaching the lost at any cost. Are you with me? Is it ever going to be about church league softball? No. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, church league anything. Like seriously, why would you take a bunch of Christian people and huddle up with a bunch of other Christian people when there are hurting and broken people and you can join the beer league and influence them for the gospel? Are you with me? It's never going to be about those things. It will always be about the gospel. As you and I sacrifice our lives and say, God, you can use us for your causes, for your purposes. We know that there's nothing greater than that. Would you stand to your feet in this room? Where you are online, maybe you're sitting down, and that's, that's great, but let's bow our heads. Let's have a holy moment before God and just ask those two questions once again. What's your concern? You have to know God is concerned about what you're concerned about. He cares for you. The Bible says if his eyes on a sparrow, if he closed the, the flowers of the field, how much more does he care about you? So he cares about you. He's concerned with you, but what's your concern? What's taking up your mental capacity and energy today? And the second question would be, what's your cause? Is it about the cause of Christ? Do you give your life for the cause? Kobe, I'm willing to die for Jesus. That's great. Are you willing to live for him? schools, in your offices, in your families, in your workplaces? Are you willing to be a living sacrifice, allowing him to use you completely to advance his cause? God, I pray for our church in this season, headed into to Easter, God, headed into the relationships we have around us. God, I pray that you would give us spiritual eyes to see the hurt and the brokenness and the need in the communities around us. God, just help us. Spirit, open up our eyes in Jesus' name. And I pray right now for those that maybe you've, you've never crossed that line of faith and given your life to Christ and understood that his cause was to come and seek and save the lost, those who are far from him. And maybe you feel like you're 100 miles from God. Let me just let you know you are one decision away from having a relationship with him. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And you might be feeling the knock of God on the, the door of your heart right now. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you into this relationship with God. But can I tell you something? God will not break his way through. He's a gentleman. He will only come in if you invite him in. And so perhaps today is the day that you invite him in. You invite Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life. Or maybe he was Savior at one point of your life, but you become spiritually blind to some things. You've fallen away from that. And today you want to reignite that commitment to have him be Savior of your life as well. So here's a question for two groups of people. If you've never crossed the line of faith, today is your day. Or if you did a long time ago and you're coming back to God today and reigniting that passion inside of you. And once again, you understand your need for grace and mercy every single day because we're all sinners and far from God. Today is the day that you're gonna recommit your life to Christ. If you are one of those two people, would you throw your hand up in the air right now wherever you are in this room or watching online? 
I just want to pray for you. I want to see who I'm praying with. Yeah, God bless you. I see you. I see you. Awesome. Awesome. God, you pray something like this. In fact, church, let's just all pray this together. Let's give them courage to pray this out loud. Say something like this. Jesus, today, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me for all the ways that I've gone wrong. Forgive my sin. I repent and I turn to you. Tell him this, I confess you as Lord and as Savior. And from this moment on, I'm gonna follow you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, let's worship. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. And we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it. So please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.